I saw a tweet yesterday. The first line was, he is so dumb. Then there was a blank line. And then after that was, he is so dumb that you know who I'm talking about without even having to name him. Never forget that you have the tools to build a life on your own terms. Forget the haters. This is Founder Quest. Did you prefer Voltron over Transformers? Which team are you on? I guess I did, because I don't remember watching much in the way of Transformers, but I, I did watch a lot of Voltron, so. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a shame. Transformers were great. I That's like the name Voltron fun. better. Voltron's a pretty good name. Well, I mean, can we all can we all just agree that the, the GoBots just suck? Let's just all agree to, to hate the GoBots. <laughs> But I think perhaps Thundercats were better than both Voltron and Oh, 100%. 100%. Thundercats. Thundercats for life. Are we the I Thundercats never... of uh, air trackers? <laughs> honey badgers, go! <laughs> I don't think a honey badger is technically a cat. I decided to, to try out Animal Crossing this morning. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. good. How do you like it? I've been playing it too. Um, well, it's not very exciting it's a very slow paced kind of thing and, and that's oh yeah you know that's the goal i mean that's the point right and uh i was like yeah i'll check this out maybe it'll help me relax and i'm like now what do i do now what do i do now what do i do I'm like this is not helping me relax <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it is yeah. kind of a bunch of tasks that's maybe not so, for everyone yeah but you do get to a point where you can kind of just like goof around like the first like i got it and then i played like like 20 minutes every three days or something for a couple of weeks just because I was like, I don't know if I want to go gather this wood right now. But then like you get over a hump and then you can kind of, it's more of an open world and you can kind of just, you know, sort of make it your own. I think part of my problem was like my, my son's been playing it for a while now and like he's yeah. got this nice house, all this cool stuff in it. And I show up and I'm like, I got a tent. I'm like, oh, I want a nice house. <laughs> Gotta put the work in. Put, put the time in. He plays Minecraft too, doesn't he? Or did? Used to, yeah. Okay. Do you ever play that with him? Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah and they totally eclipsed me. Like it was no contest. I was, you know, I had, hey, I got two blocks together and they've got the Taj Mahal. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gives Tom Nook such a hard time for being such a capitalist. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, I want a house loan with no interest and no like payback schedule. And I can pay it off reasonably with, with a couple hours work, like gathering like nuts and berries. Yeah, I started playing this morning because I read an article in The Atlantic about the game. And I really enjoyed the, one of the angles of the article was like, you know, maybe this is a, an indication of what we can take our society, you know, where people are doing the things they want to do, but not under the pressure of having to pay back a, you know, mm -hmm. a serious mortgage and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, hmm. Everyone has their own island where they live with a, uh, a bunch of artificially intelligent like NPCs and we can occasionally visit, but we don't, you know, it's rare. You know, if you save up your Nook Miles tickets, you can like get a, I'm sorry, if you save up your Nook Miles, you can buy a ticket to an island that's covered in spiders. Ooh. Well, yeah, I read that those spiders are actually, that's the way you make the real bucks. You collect those tarantulas, right? Well, I mean, there's like the real spider island. So I looked into this. There's the real spider island, which is just a, a thing in the game. And then you can, um, for a while, there's a bug in the game, like like a bug. I get it. Yeah. Where you could force tarantulas to, to, to like spawn infinitely. 
but they kind of um, did a patch that got it didn't get rid of it entirely, but it kind of made it less less like game breaking. It's cool, fun. So maybe I'll I'll report back in a week or so and be like, I love this game, and then I won't be able to work for a month because I'll be playing Animal Crossing. We'll see. Maybe it's really a metaphor for for like reality. It's the world we wish we lived in. I wish I could Um, spawn like tarantulas at will. That would be a pretty cool like you know. That would be pretty cool defense mechanism. (laughs) Yeah, if that one doesn't work for you, like I'm telling you, like Stardew Valley might be more your jam too. I've heard that one's really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I heard that I'm supposed to avoid Factorio at all costs. I don't even know what that is. Apparently, it's a really addictive game. And I don't know much about it because I've avoided I don't it. Know. <laughs> it's where you like number you you like take like one number and you multiply it by itself times minus one, <laughs> and then you just keep doing that. <laughs> the game goes really quickly in Elixir. It's just a pen. It's a pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't have a attention span for for these games anymore. Like that's why I just play like first person shooters, just mayhem for thirty minutes to an hour, and then I'm done. You just want to get your Twitch on and then get back it's to good. real life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I wish I could get in. Like, it's, it's rare that I get like immersed in, in a game like that. Occasionally, I guess one will come along, but it hasn't happened for a while. Except for like Ruby programming. <laughs> I think that's really what ruined. I mean, like, like, yeah, developing kind of ruined everything for me because that's like, I don't know. You know what? You know, when you said that, I just realized like Ruby is the Animal Crossing <laughs> of the programming world. Is it? Like, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah, if Ruby was a game, it would be Animal Crossing, which yeah. is kind of nice. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> talking about Animal Crossing. You know, since we talked about, uh, talked about Hey, last in our last episode, but we didn't get around to talking about the back end of how we're actually doing Hey, I thought that'd be kind of fun to talk about because it was kind of fun to build. Wait, what do you mean like how we're doing the back end? Because I thought it was like an open source project that you installed in your own app and everything. So what, what sort of back end would that be? Well, you know, we have to have a website to tell people about it. And then we have to have a way to take people's money because we're actually selling licenses. Well, I mean, we don't technically they give us their money. Like we don't take it. Well, like they give it to us. That's kind of like Tom Nook. Yeah. Like we're not, <laughs> we make them an offer they can't refuse. We're not going to force you to pay us, but. I mean, full, full transparency, no, we haven't taken anyone's money yet. That's true. We're hoping to. This but is all. Is this a, is all very much an experiment, but it's. Uh, I think we've. You know, we got. Some, we have some cool infrastructure. That uh, there is yeah. the final. The final part after the money part, which sometimes the money is zero. Then we generate a license because we we want to try out this prosperity license mm-hmm. approach where we send out this open source into the world, but we also want to see if it's sustainable by by selling licenses to it. So for people who are just starting out, we do that. Um, zero dollar price where they can enter a coupon code and get a license for free so there's the the website there's the selling the thing and then there's the delivering the thing the license mm-hmm. and we have had a few people request the uh like the small business license which is what has so far uh, been exercising this system we're using kind of a newer it's a commercial open source license called the prosperity public license and what it is is it's uh it's a free license for open source for nonprofit use, like non-commercial use with a 30 day trial for all other, like all, all other commercial use. So the source is completely open, which is where the open source comes from. But if you want to use it commercially, you can use it for 30 days after which you need to, to buy a license for it, like a commercial license. 
So optimistically speaking, we are still in the 30-day license trial period. Yes. Since we only launched a week ago, right? So, so who knows? Three weeks from now, we could have a bunch of people throwing a bunch <laughs> of money at us because they love it so much. You might be a little bit more optimistic than I am on that one. But that said, we've, we have had some pretty good interest and feedback in it. Like people seem to like it. So, you know, this is our first time ever doing like an open source commercial thing. And uh, it's very much like we're kind of throwing it out there, see what happens and you see what we can learn. Have, so have we learned anything from the feedback that was interesting or surprising or anything like that? Not so far. I mean, like the feedback so far is kind of like, that's, that's really cool. I'm going to try it out. It's, you know, it's been out like a week or so. And, uh, okay, that's yeah, the first so, step. yeah, but the source, the source is available. So like, yeah, anyone who wants to can go and try it. Like, you know, it's, it's completely, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no limits or anything in it without a license. It's basically just, uh, it'll put out a warning that says it's not licensed. I've had a few people on Twitter say, oh, this is the same thing I was going to do or same thing I did. And so they're pretty excited about not having to do that work. So time-saving measure for sure. Yeah. You mean the actual, the can't, sending email sequence right. in Rails right. thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think it'll, I, it'll definitely get some users. Um, I don't know how many, I mean, cause of course, like for an open source library like this to actually, you know, like make any money, it has to, you know, it has to have a large enough base of people using you trying it out and then a certain percentage of those people are going to actually pay for it. Yeah. I don't know. Like we talked about the other, the other model we were considering um, was like the, uh, the open core, like sidekick type model, which is where you would have like an actual, like a true free open source core version of it that anyone can use commercial or non, and then, um, have like a pro or like, you know, an advanced version that you sell for a sell a license for that you have to, that you have to buy. And the benefit of that is just that you get a much larger user base, you know, in the beginning, because a lot more people are probably willing to, to use it you know, like deploy it to their apps or production or whatever, if there's like no commitment or if it's true open source in the beginning. So this is much more of a, uh, I, you know, you have to actually like sell this because you only have 30 days to use it if you're, if you're a company or whatever. So was that kind of intentional? Because I don't know, were you trying to, I imagine that if you did like an open core, there might be um, like a burst of work at the beginning is like all these people who are um, free open source users were like, Hey, like you should do this. You should do that. Whatever. Um, are you trying to like, was it intentional to, to not do it open core so you could sort of rate limit the amount of uh, work you have to do that? I mean, that wasn't like the primary thing, but that, that, that goes plays into it a little bit. I definitely did like Ben and I definitely had conversations about like even doing this at all because I, I didn't want to like create a bunch of work for myself right now. <laughs> so this is very much, it very much is a side project like been doing this in my spare time. But yeah, well, I mean, we talked about both models. I'm really interested by this in this model because I like the idea of not having to like put a bunch of work into like, you know, the, the, uh, whatever the open core version, like if I could focus all my work on stuff that is actually paying, I like the idea of that. And we talked about how this, like we could easily go from this model to an open core model in the future. But it would have been much harder to like go from an open core or even just like an open source model and go back to like, you know, a paid model. So like basically, if we had released this code under like, an, you know, a more per permissive open source license, it would be much harder. To, and people probably would complain a lot more about it if we, you know, then walked it back to some sort of more restrictive license. So we figured, you know, there's not much harm in, in trying out this 
this new license and just see how it see how it works. But that said, like this license, like there's a lot fewer, like there's not that many people using this approach. There, there's a few, like for instance, Dependabot, which was recently acquired by GitHub, uses this license. But you know, there's not a lot of data out there on like how this works, how this business model with this license works. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot to learn, and I suspect that you know this might be more of a longer play. Like this might be. This might be the kind of thing that you we, you know we need to keep building new you know building on it over time, and you know give it give it a chance for people to like see it mature a little bit before it might have like you know any kind of major adoption. Yeah, that makes sense. Can I ask you like a technical question? Sure. Like I've always wondered about this. Like when people do um, libraries that are this sort of like open source, you have to have a license key. How does that work? Like how does the license key thing work? So we used. We uh, sublicensed some code that we uh, got from uh, GitLab, which is an open core model, but they use this, this licensing code that they wrote. They use it, I believe, to handle their, um, the license for like their, what do they call it, Ben? It's uh, the paid version. Yeah, their self-hosted uh, version has a variety of, has like four different levels, I think. Yeah. And you unlock different features based on which level you get. Yeah. And so they, yeah, they have it. They delivered you a license file that once you add it to the GitLab installation, it then unlocks those features based on whatever license gives you permission to use. Right. Yeah. And this license is based on a public key generation, okay. right? So yeah. So like, you know, we have a, we generate a private, a private key and we sign this license file and give it to the person. And so, and then the public key is basically embedded in the gem itself, um, which is how the gem knows that uh, the license is valid. Okay. That makes sense. To some degree, though, it's, it's sort of based on the honor system, though, because you could always go in and since it's open source, yep. you could go in and like remove the license check or whatever. Source in Ruby. Yeah, like it's very, very much the honor system. It's, you know, pretty much one one monkey patch would turn the entire thing off at this point. So, yeah, it's OK. I don't know. It would be a funny, like smart ass thing to do. Like, it's probably not a good business decision. But I just I would, I'd be very tempted to ship it with like where it's like um, your license key is a yaml file or something that just like has one field that's like has a license true <laughs> yeah it's not far from the truth about what it actually is mm -hmm. <laughs> the license file has like your company name and it has uh, the limit of users you can have since we decided to tier on that but yeah it's yeah it's a very simple yaml file that is just signed with the the private key yeah that makes sense yeah i don't know probably down the line though you want to you know there would be a little bit more I don't know, sophisticated, or not, not sophistication, just like, it, does, it doesn't make sense to be super protective of this new thing. That it's, it's like, we don't really know if you like people want to steal it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the honor system. It worked well when I did the Rails kits because people would buy a license and they would get all the code and there was nothing really stopping them from reusing it as much as they wanted or yeah. even distributing it. Yeah. And Rails kits was like, what did you have? You had like a, like a pre-built, I know you had a help desk because it's like I helped work on that mm -hmm. a long time ago and other like a, an e-commerce store front written in Rails and stuff like that. And people just modified them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that worked out and people, you know, would come back and buy additional licenses when they wanted to deploy it on additional sites. So, I mean, I'm sure there was some cheating. I mean, I'm not, uh, well, not yeah. that naive, but it, it worked out. 
I mean, it seems like you're always going to have cheaters. I mean, unless, unless you're like distributing yeah. some sort of binary or like something that's like, you know, p- people can't crack, which there, there's always going to be someone who figures out how to crack it. Like no matter what it is, it seems, but like sidekick or GitLab or anything else that is, you know, closed source, but you still have to pay for it to, you know, to get the pro version. Like you're still getting that code, aren't you? I mean, that's how that yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like Ruby's, there's no way to hide what Ruby is once you have it. So right yeah yeah the whole the whole idea that we had while working on this project was to do the minimal amount of effort to get something out the door where we could see you know test the market and see if it would be successful at all yeah and uh, so the license generation was one of those things like oh yeah we know that gitlab does something like that let's see what they do oh okay they have this little gem and then let's use that yeah so we're it's just like basically like how can yeah what what's like a little roadblock we can put in to like prompt people to respect the license because really like the actual, the license itself is the thing, you know, we could, we could say like, you don't need a license. It's just completely on our system. You know, if you don't, if you use this for longer than 30 days, we won't know, but you will. And you'll just, you'll feel really bad about it. We're not quite that optimistic. I don't think we believe in humanity quite that much. There's a lot of people who probably would still pay under that model, but there's a good chance that they would just forget if they, you know, if you already, if you drop it into your app and figure, I'll try this for 30 days, like if it's working, hopefully you're not going to have to think about it as much. I probably would forget in a lot of cases to go back and be like, oh, I need to like get a license and then I need to remember to renew that license (laughs) in in some way. Like, I guess the renewal is probably a big yeah have an actual sort of licensing system right to remind you need to spit out those warnings yeah so these warnings so it I, prints them out and then yeah if the when the license expires it just it prompts you it reminds you and gives you the link again so it's very simple so when this thing like takes off right and we really need to lock it down because we're losing tons of money <laughs> through pir- piracy like i've got this really good idea for how we could do that which is like instead of distributing this code we could like have a computer and we could we could just like run the code on our computer and then people could access it through the internet i see where you're going yeah, with this yeah that's that's pretty good idea that's what that just that was a terrible joke i'm sorry into that see how that works so part of what we decided to do to get this out the door as quickly as possible was like we decided that you know, as much as we like building things we just didn't want to build like a storefront right so josh decided to go with gumroad to actually sell this so Which was what do you awesome. think josh would you you recommend that? I set it up in like three minutes or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was very, very simple. And they actually have licensing, software licensing built into Gumroad now, which is kind of cool. I didn't know about that. You were sending me some documentation and stuff. We ultimately decided to use our approach because their approach is uh, like, I think you have to like use their API to verify the license remotely. And we didn't really want to be like pinging Gumroad on every like, you know, every time you boot your app or something. But yeah, I mean, uh, for some cases, I mean, like, even that, like, it seems like you get pretty far with just uh, just Gumroad, which, uh, you know, gives someone a link to to buy and then it handles the, the checkout process and everything. Yeah. So one thing we, we didn't do initially, you know, since we're not using Gumroad's licensing stuff, we were using our own. We, have, we do have to generate a license when a purchase comes through. And so at first we just uh, we just got Gumroad's email and then we went and, you know, went to our console and generated it. But we got tired of that after, <laughs> after like the first person was like, oh, you know, we should probably do something about this. So I, I threw, threw together a quick little Lambda function. That- I love it. This is the most, I'm sorry, this is the most programming thing ever. I got tired of it after the first one. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a Lambda function. That's, that's great. Yeah. 
So uh, Gunroad thankfully has what they call pings, their, their webhooks that uh, send you payload when a sale happens. And so it was pretty easy to throw together a quick little Lambda function that has a uh, web endpoint that uses our licensing code, generates a license and sends an email to the person with the license file. The key thing there though, is that we, we didn't build the Lambda function first because that would have been insane. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing how, you know, I, it, we're not yeah. getting many sales now, but I, you know, I think this is something we talked about. It's a little bit of code and it was fun, I assume, for you to build it. But yeah, we, you know, we started out, it was just, you know, it was, we use a help scout for our support at Honey Badger. So we like created a separate, just another mailbox called Heya and had the, the Gumroad emails go there basically so that we could just generate one if there was a sale. So we did that and then, uh, yeah, and then we, and then we automated it. I think we're we're probably going to be releasing releasing this lambda and licensing code in some fashion open source as well because I think it's like I mean it's really cool I don't know how many lines of code between you know the Ruby licensing code and the lambda code but you know put Gumroad in the middle of that and you pretty much have you know you could, like anyone could recreate this with their library which is that's pretty cool I think so. Yeah, we've had a few people mention that, that they were interested in trying out a similar kind of thing where they want to sell their gym or sell their code. And so, yeah, I think it would be fun to put out this thing that people could use. And, and maybe if there's uh, enough interest, we can have other entryways into it. Like we could have like, I don't know, a Shopify hook or maybe a Stripe hook as well. Mm -hmm. So so I guess people should ping us on Twitter if you're interested in, in having some sort of thing that can do licensing generation for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, whenever I get around to it all, I've, it's been on my kind of like long term to do list is to like extract the licensing code to some gem or something that, you know, we could, other people could use basically. And yeah, we should probably do the same thing, like throw that Lambda code on a, on a repo at the very least. Is that the real product here? Or are we going to end up by <laughs> launching a, a no? It could be. As a it could be. We don't. You know, that's that seems like it seems like that's how this kind of thing could work because these are very. You know, these are much smaller plays. It's not like we're. You know, we're not building like a SaaS for six months and just have to have to make that go. So I kind of like this model of like you know we can build basically just open sourcing the tools that you regularly use that you've built, um, even the small ones, and then just see, you know, see what sticks. Basically, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. So I was impressed, Josh, when you set up the sales site, instead of just doing a plain old, you know, just a web page, you actually put up, put it up on a Heroku dyno so that you could actually demo, hey, uh, with people coming in. So yeah, so that's, can the other, that's the other, like, your thing. <laughs> that's the other insanity of this project is, yeah, that was a little, it's probably a little overkill, but yeah, the, so yeah, the, um, instead of doing like a static site or something, the sales site is, uh, fairly, a fairly boilerplate, just rails app that I generated that has, Hey, built into it. That? You can find it on our GitHub repo. Um, actually you can, if you go to Hey, that's the sales, that's it. That is the sales site. There's a link to it and you can sign up for a, real-time demo of Heya because the site is running Heya to basically send a drip email campaign that you can sign up for. So it's a little meta, but... Is it a drip email campaign for Heya? It is. Like why people should buy it? Yes. Oh, that's genius. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and then yeah, I think brilliant. like if you go there, there's, there's a link to the repo that generates the campaign. So you can go look at the Ruby code that basically sends the campaign that you're getting. So 
Yeah, um, and shout out to MVP.css. That was just so yeah, easy. what's going on with that? So you all have, have uh, been talking about how you, you yeah. really have been enjoying that. So well, what is that? The, initially, like the site, like I, I basically generated this Rails app, generated this little campaign. Um, the like it's it's a very simple app. Like it's got like one, I don't know, controller scaffold or something, basically. And the homepage is actually just the new like the new action of a uh, like of a user. So you can, you know, you when you sign up, you're you're basically creating a user in a Rails app. But I, I wrote some content for the site one weekend or something and just threw it in there, basically just raw HTML, no styling. My plan was kind of, was basically just to leave it like that. Like I was just going to like launch it with just basically like completely unstyled. And I mean, the content was kind of, it's, it's like, I don't know, you can go check, go read it. It's kind of like, it's, it's different. It's got some it's fun. GIFs and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to, I was going to like be super, I don't know, like web 1.0 hipster and just like not style it at all. But Ben um, found this new, uh, this new CSS framework called MVP CSS, which basically um, is, it's complete, it runs completely off of HTML elements. So basically you just write HTML in a certain way and it styles your page to look like a, like a landing page, right? Basically, is that yep. is that the gist of it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's it's not necessarily even like a general purpose like CSS reset. It's like specifically for making things that look like product pages. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's so that you you know if you're like us, you're trying out this little thing and you don't want to put a lot of work into it. You can have something that doesn't look like you know just a plain old page from 1994. <laughs> they're like, there will be like two people that get the, that actually get it. <laughs> right. They're like, right. this is awesome. Everyone's else like, where the hell is like, is the, is the style sheet not loading? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a question for y'all. So MVP, is that, I mean, does that stand for minimal, minimum viable product or most valuable player? We know the oh. NFL draft was yesterday. So I guess it could be either today. There you go. I just think MVP should like steal that for their tagline. <laughs> Meaning that the CSS is the most valuable player on your yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's been a fun project. So where do we go from here? Well, immediately I thought of Pinky and the Brain. What are we doing tonight, Brain? <laughs> when you said that. Same thing we're always that, when you said that. doing. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing I do every night, Pinky. <laughs> try to take over the world. So I guess that's the next thing we're doing. We try to take over the world. Do we have to leave our houses for that? Because that's a big no-no right now. I suppose not. We can we can do it from the comfort of our couch. Well, okay. We can hack the planet. I think Ben's, I think, gonna, Ben's I think, talking about taking over the world of Am- Animal Crossing. I'm pretty sure. Right. He's gonna he's gonna unseat Tom Nook. I think the next thing for us for Heya is see if there's actual interest. Like see if people want to use it and come up with any feature requests, and also see if we have any things that we want to do to it. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's yeah, kind of the. That's my plan. If, there's a number of things that I'd like to, uh, ideas I have for it and things that there's just, it's still like a hobby project for me. So I have a, I have some things that I'll get to eventually. If, uh, even if no one, if no one uses it, like we're, we're still using it. Yeah. But I think like, yeah, it's gotten a pretty, it's gotten a pretty good response. And yeah, like long-term my plan is like the plan for Heya always was to replace, pretty much replace intercom for us. And that's still my plan is like, there's, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot more intercom like things that we could uh, that I could add to it for it to do more. There's things that we 
that we uh, are still working on. Um, so, yeah. Well, awesome. And I'm sure as like this progresses and we learn more, we'll sort of keep people up to date mm -hmm. as people follow along at home. All right. Is there anything else we'd like to, to mention about Hey Ya? No. Nah. No? Yeah, I'm sick of talking about that. Back to uh, error tracking for me. Back to the old diamond <laughs> mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess um, we'll wrap it up then. This has been Founder Quest. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you uh, want to write for us, we have, you know, we're hiring people to write blog posts for Ruby and Elixir and stuff like that. So just take a look at our blog at honeybadger.io and look for the, the link right for us in the header and do that. And yeah, so see y'all later, I guess. ThunderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word. You can access our huge back catalog or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.